Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and occasional conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. It's been an interesting time of decline, and I'm honestly enjoying it. I'm not talking about society, culture, or my business, but my artistic ambitions and connection with others. It all started when I read this phrase in a book by Eric Barker, the right amount of weirdness. I'm a weird person, I'll admit it, but I've learned to hide it so I could be accepted by as many people as possible. I've even shoved my weirdness aside when it demanded to be shared with others. What did I get for my conformity? Burnout and boredom with my creative pursuits. Fortunately, the way forward is clear to me. Embrace the void, so in obscurity, my weirdness can thrive once again. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co slash 620. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of the word void? For me, I think about John Oliver on his weekly show Last Week Tonight on HBO. A while back during, I don't remember which political election it was, but uh, he was talking about Twitter and how a lot of people use Twitter just to throw stuff out into the world. And so he made a website called Screaming Into the Void, where you can type something into the uh, form box and it circles the void and just plops in there. And then that's it. There's no reason it gives you the satisfaction of sharing something, and then it disappears. Maybe you think of a black hole, where light goes to die. Maybe you think of something like death or infinite darkness. But mostly, I think about attention. I know, that's weird. And what happens to our digital content after we share it? Others will pay attention to it for a short or limited amount of time, And then they move on to the next object of their focus. The content still exists, but now it's in a void. Makes me think of the movie Wreck-It Ralph. Are they just sitting around talking about how things used to be? Some days it just feels like every single one of us are producing content. We're throwing it out into the world, hoping it resonates, hoping we get discovered, hoping we can help as many people as possible. When in reality, it just sits in the void, disappearing as layers upon layers of digital civilization are added upon it. In 2000, I traveled to Israel with my family, and I remember all of the archaeological digs where layers upon layers of time were being excavated. And in many ways, this is a void, a void of time. So what are we to do with this void? Do we pay more money to the digital gatekeepers who want us to pay to play? Do we bemoan the changing times? Do we shake our fists at the sky, demanding that the digital overlords go back to the way things were? I think the simplest thing to do is actually embrace and welcome the void. Why? Well, here are six reasons how you can use the void for your own creative growth. First, become a curator of your content, interests, and connections. When you become a curator, you are taking the best of those things and sharing them with others. What is the best of your content? Is it easily found? Is it easily discovered? Is it easily shared for others? 
Think about your interests. What are the best things of your interests? Recently, a friend of mine did a podcast episode talking about Metallica, where she shared the best in her view of what Metallica had to offer. And that was a way of her curating her own experiences. And then think about being a curator of your connections. Who are the people around you who actually bring out the best in your life? The second way to embrace the void is to start with what matters to you. There are so many messages out there about how you need to make stuff for other people. And I get that. I understand why that's important. I just don't really want to abide by that. Maybe it's because I'm stubborn. Maybe it's because of the bands and and the, the artists that I resonate most with. But they are all doing the things that matters to them. And I connect with that. So why can't I do that? And the things that matter to me are like artistic depth, complexity, time, ways to think about things that don't get summed up easily in 10 minutes or less, even though that's what I do on a weekly basis. I like long form, thoughtful information. And I like prog music. I'm not a huge fan of pop, even though I hear it every single day at work. But when you start with what matters to you, it connects your soul to your creative expression so that it gives other people the chance to then connect with that important information that you have for them. The third thing is, as I mentioned in the intro, own the right amount of weirdness for you. I read this quote recently about the right amount of weirdness in a book by Eric Barker called Barking Up the Wrong Tree, the surprising science behind why everything you know about success is mostly wrong. And I'll be honest with you, when I saw the title of that book, I knew I wanted to read it because, you know, is everything that people say about success accurate? Maybe, maybe not. Barker writes, Dean Keith Simonton says that when creative geniuses take personality tests, quote, their scores on the pathology scales fall in a middle range. Creators exhibit more psychopathology than an average person, but less than true psychotics. They seem to possess just the right amount of weirdness, end quote. Barker continues, too often we label things good or bad when the right designation might merely be different. I've been thinking about this quote a lot. What is the right amount of weirdness? And I think the connection is neither good nor bad, but different. So that when you are yourself and you can actually be seen as different, That, then, is the right amount of weirdness, when it's not a question of judgment or taste, but merely different. I'm not sure, though, fully what that right amount is, even though I think about it every day. And I think the more you can own the right amount of weirdness for you, the closer that you get to being able to be open to new possibilities. The fourth thing, worry less about what others want. You know, I said in the second point that, uh, you know, start with what matters to you, but I think there's so much noise out there about what other people want that we forget our own wants and desires. And so worry less about what other people want. 
worry about the things that resonate for you. If you're not resonating with it, why are you putting it out there for other people to get confused with? There are so many messages out there that just don't seem authentic. And I think it's because they're more concerned with other people will think and not enough about what they will think in a year or two when they go back and look at this. Fifth, build relationships with people who dig your weird and you like theirs too. I love talking with people who love the same things that I do. And that's not to say that we're building a culture that doesn't allow differences to be talked about. But there's something to be said about being in relationship with people who you just enjoy talking about the things that you enjoy talking about. Like when you can just get together and talk about, you know, your love for the Foo Fighters or your love for Queen or your love for Lady Gaga, whatever it is. There's something about that conversation that's different when you're just tearing other people down. Six and finally, take the pressure of monetary success off your creative dreams and let the void feed your long-term growth. For so long, I've put so much pressure on my creativity to fuel my life. And I, wouldn't, I would even go as far to say to fuel my financial life. And I think that is really what created some burnout, because as I conformed to what I thought people would want, it got harder and harder to be successful, because I was starting to be even more inauthentic than I recognized. But as I embrace the void, I kind of think, you know, about the movie Little Shop of Horrors. <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. I was, you know, feeding this plant my blood. And now in the void, I don't have to give everything to my creativity. And I can let the simple things fuel the possibilities. There's nothing wrong with being obscure. There's nothing wrong with obscurity because it's a long jump from being unknown to fame. And we might want fame, but then what happens when fame comes our way? We probably will long for the simpler times when no one knew who we were. Instead, the void is not a negative place. There is life, creative freedom, and unlimited possibilities. So I, for one, am going to embrace the void and strive to create some really cool shit. How about you? Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.